All right, good morning, everybody. Wow, first Sunday of 2021. Well, it's got to be a good year, let's believe it. You know, it's been a tough year last year, but that's the past. Let's just get on with, with this new year, with a, with a, yeah, with a new vigor. But, uh, you know, I, I want to preach this, want to begin this year with a, with a title. And my title of my, the title of my sermon is Perspective is Everything. All right, that's the title. Perspective is everything. That I preached uh, sometime, sometimes ago, uh, or sometime ago, he preached on, uh, you know, while it might not be the, 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 uh, the title, but, you know, again, you know, over and over, she pushed the idea of us discipling ourselves, how I can give you the truth, but your response to the truth, I have no power over that. You have to disciple yourself. There's a point where I have to disciple myself. No one else could do. That was powerful. And uh, But here, I want to I wanna talk about perspective. And uh, as far as discipling ourselves, that is it. Disciple ourselves to have the right perspective. And... Uh, and to do that, I would like to uh, get you guys to uh, read, to open to Psalms 73. Let's all turn to Psalms 73. We're going to go through the whole psalm. And uh, from uh, verse, verse 1 all the way to verse 28. But before we do that, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so excited, so, so uh, full of hope. Because the hope comes from you, Lord Jesus. You are the source of our hope. And I pray that, that as we look into the, uh, the, uh, the, the Word of God in, in this book, the Psalms, that your Holy Spirit will speak to all of us and reveal the truth that is contained in this. Yes, Lord, bless your people with your truth. In Jesus' name. Yep, as far as... Discipling ourselves, I want to because the book of Psalms, Psalms is pretty much songs. So in their ritual worship and all that, they they sing songs and and uh, there are many types of of uh, Psalms. There are Psalms of teaching, there are Psalms of exhortation, and there are Psalms of lament. And um, it is my understanding that this Psalm 73 is, is one of those Psalms of lament. And I like the way uh, this particular type of Psalms because it begins with laments and the psalmist will transition from laments to praise, which means he discipled himself on a journey. You know, so I would like us to follow that, 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 that journey of this psalmist from lament to uh, to uh, to praise, yeah. So let's just. So we're gonna. What we're gonna do now is I'm gonna read and comment on one verse or two verses. Uh, just follow me, okay? Let's just read from uh, from uh, Psalm seventy-three, verse one and verse two. Just so that you know, this psalm is is written by or the psalms or the songs is written by. 
uh, a group of people called the Sons of Asaph, or Sons of Asaph, which is a clan of the Levites, a priestly uh, tribe. So, uh, so the guy, the, the, the writer, the songwriter or the psalm writer here, is highly trained in all the rituals and the tradition and the law and all those things. Okay? So highly trained in that way. So as we can see in this, in this, uh, in this verse 1, let's read verse 1 and verse 2. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Okay, this is an interesting two verses here. So uh, the, the psalmist began with, uh, with a rhetoric and a traditional address to God in, in you know, how he referred to God. And sure, God is good, you know. And it's good to all who are pure in heart. It's like, you know, because it is in the context of praise and worship. It's kind of like many of our songs, you know, our God is good and glorious, you know, like typical praise and, uh, and expression to God and the goodness of God. And yet, after saying that, all of a sudden, it's almost like, he, he is faced with the, the reality and the dilemma that he's facing. And that is, it seems like his rhetoric and what he expressed in his worship and his real, real life experience, there's a contradiction there. Because you see, you see that God is surely good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, <laughs> he said, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. So there is a contradiction to, in, in his life experience to what he traditionally believed. He said, God is good. So he nearly stumbled according to his statement there. Why? And how? Well, let's read in verse 3. He said, for I was envious of the arrogant when, read, let's read, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Okay? So he was worshiping God, praising God. God is great. But as for me, I nearly stumbled. What happened here? There's a, a shift of, of view here. Because he said, because I was envious of the arrogant when I saw, okay, there is a sight change here, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then, let's read, and he, list, he listed all the negative stuff that he saw on these wicked people. Let's read from verse 4. For they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes 
swell out through fatness. <laughs> the language is crazy. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back from them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. So he started to list all the stuff that he started to entertain his thinking with. It's crazy. The result of his meditation on this negative stuff that began with him being envious and set his eyes on the prosperity, the appearance of prosperity of the wicked, he started to list all this negative stuff resulting in a tragic conclusion based on what he perceived. It's crazy. And the conclusion is this. Let's read verse 13. In verse 13 he said, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. I'll read it again. Verse 13, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. What happened to the first statement? That God is good to Israel and those who are pure in heart. But now he said, I've done it in vain. Wow. Such a contradiction. Truly, you know, he started with truly God is good to those who are pure in heart. And now, he said, oh, it's all in vain, serving God. And then I'd like us to read in, uh, in verse 15 what I call, beginning from verse 15, is the moment of truth. Let's look at verse 15. He said, this is the good news. If I had said, I will speak thus. Speak what? Speak. But I just said in verse 13, in vain, I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. If I have said that, this is what he said in, in verse 15, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He was speaking to God. That is powerful. Very, very powerful. That moment of truth, I want to say this, okay? Reading that verse, my conclusion is this, in, in, in that verse, what I get is this. The first step to our, our realization, or you can, so, you can call it enlightenment, is not a mental thing, it's not a feeling thing, but it's a conviction that is based on the truth. This guy, you can see, 
he turned from he he turned around from self-interest that we just saw in in verse from verse 4 to verse 12 the list of those things from self-interest and self-pity yeah that you can see in in verse verse 3 and verse 13 turning from self-interest self-pity to an understanding that is based on his position, his his understanding of his responsibility to others. It was as if he realized that listen, I don't I don't live in my own world but part of a body of people, and my action and what I say will affect others around me. That's what he said in, in verse 15. If I said that, if I just it's all in my head if I just speak it out, just blab it out, I will betray the generation of your children, God. That is powerful. There is enough fear of God in him that he's not just going to say whatever he wants to say. I think this is something we can learn, how we disciple ourselves. A sense... It's the understanding that now I don't live by myself. What I say and do will impact people, even according to what, that, what, what we just read, that verse, verse 15, even betray the community or the people around us that we care so much. Yeah? And then verse 16. I love this. But when I thought how to understand this, in other words, this issue that I'm facing, it seemed to me a wearisome, wearisome task. It's too complicated. So up to this point, the, the, the psalmist still had no idea and nor the solution to, to, uh, to solve this dilemma that he's facing. He said, I don't know, it just seems complicated. Up to this point, there is no solution until a point he arrived in. What is that point? Let's, ver- let's read verse 17. He said, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Whoa. He said, it's just too complicated. And then I went to the sanctuary of God. And then listen to this. Then I discerned their end. Okay. Until I want you want to read that again. Everything's confusion until I went to the sanctuary of God. Now that sanctuary of God, it means the temple, it means the assembly of God's people, it means the presence of God. So he brings himself back to the healthy environment of the community of believers. The, the, the presence of God, Him and God. And where, where is, it's, uh, yeah, in, in the context of Israel, is the building, the temple. Whereas for us, the people are the temple. All right? So he brings himself into the right context. And then he said, Then I discern their end. Now, up to this point, his external situation hasn't changed. But something has changed. What is it? His perspective has changed. Don't believe me? 
Read verse 18. Truly, you set them in slippery, slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. He's speaking of the wicked people. Compare that verse 18 to the previous verses. He said, I nearly slipped. Those people are prospering. But now, nothing has changed, but his perspective has changed. Because he said, I, after being in your presence, in the context of your presence and the assembly of, of, of the, the people of God, he said, then I discern their end. Truly, you set them in slippery, slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. And he lists how they are destroyed in a moment swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one, one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as fathoms. So can you see? Often we, we, we have this, this, this sort of, you know, I have that too. If only this, if only that, but with this guy, Nothing, nothing has changed, but his perspective has changed. The change of, of perspective then caused him to see things differently. And then from the change of perspective, new perspective, guess what? A restoration of hope. Let's read verse 21st. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish uh, and ignorant, I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, verse 23, I am continually with you and you hold my right hand. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me in glory. Can you see that? New perspective brings new hope in him for the future. But, it gives him a resolu resolution for now. What he has now. Listen to verse 23. What's the new resolution? I love this. He said, Whomever, Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Isn't that amazing? So it's not just about futuristic hope, but now all of a sudden something has changed in him. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell all of your works. Wow. It's almost like you can see that the pattern there, the change of perspective, the restoration of hope, and then hope which is the future, but also it affects what's the resolution now. This is how I'm going to live my life. I want to conclude by, by saying this. The reality is that all of us face this kind of situation. All of us. 
Yeah, I do, I do that. I, as far as struggle in life, everybody, no one escapes that struggle in life. But maintaining the right perspective, I want to say this, maintaining the right perspective is the result of us discipling ourselves. Yeah. How do we disciple ourselves? How, what does it really mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Jesus, you know, we, we preached this before. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31 where he said, If you abide in my word, yeah, then you will be my disciples. I'll say it again. If you abide in my word, then you will be my disciples. Now, in that verse, the Bible says, Jesus spoke to the Jews who believed in him. So it's not just about believing in God, but actually abiding in the word of God is going to make the difference. He said, then you will be my disciples, and then you will know the truth, then the truth will will set you free. We've talked about this before. So uh, I want to finish with, uh, with uh, this scripture. After reading that, that uh, Psalms, especially when he said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What does the Bible say about what we see? Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let's, as we come to this new year, let's disciple ourselves, holding on to the truth of the Word of God, so that we will have the right perspective in every situation. We might not be able to change our situation, but we can maintain our perspective. Because our perspective will give us hope true hope and the proper hope the true hope will actually determine our well-being now just as we read in that in that psalms let's disciple ourselves let's make it a year of discipleship yeah we disciple others but let's begin with us let's pray father in jesus name we thank you lord that even the psalmist who wrote this scripture, Lord, he had to disciple himself and to have the right perspective based on the truth, based on the conviction. Lord, teach us, Lord. Your word says that even you, Jesus, promised that the spirit of truth will guide us and will lead us into all the truth. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to continually Lead us into, into all the truth. Especially for this year, Lord. 
bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you guys.